Welcome to the New Habits Podcast, where executives and MVPs from Microsoft Partners discuss the Microsoft Teams application and its use in enterprises. Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, the fourth New Habits podcast, where we're looking at uh, themes and capabilities uh, around the Microsoft Teams um, service. Uh, as usual, we have our permanent panel of Paul Schaeflein, Victor Velen, and Wes Hackett, who are all uh, MVPs in the uh, Office 365 space. To switch things up a little bit this week, we wanted to take a look at user voice. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, user voice is a tool uh, that could be used to give product feedback. And uh, on this particular occasion, we're looking at Microsoft Teams.UserVoice.com um, uh, items uh, which are listed uh, in and around uh, the Microsoft Teams uh, service and the capabilities that people are looking to see. So, um, by the way, if you haven't already checked out Ease of Voice or this is the first time you're hearing about it, go and have a look. It's really, really good. Um, this is a place that the product group come to have a look at, you know, what do people want added in Teams? What can be improved? What can be taken away? They do respond to this. Um, and uh, when you have a look at that site, you'll see that they've actually uh, been really, really helpful and tagged when things are being worked on. Uh, they respond to things that have slipped down the backlog uh, and common on things that have moved up the backlog. So whether you're an end user that's particularly frustrated with the user experience or you're a, a technical person that's trying to do something and can't, it's a really good place to, to go and to give your feedback. But before you do, have a look to see if somebody hasn't already uh, noted the thing uh, that you're looking for because uh, there, there, there is loads of content in here already. So we wanted to uh, today look at the sort of top five things uh, in Microsoft Teams that the product group are currently working on, Mark's working on it. Um, uh, and the first of those is being able to move channels from within a specific team uh, into other teams. So the ask is we would like to move a, a project, um, which in this particular uh, individuals cases a channel between groups to keep the information uh, or be able to sort channels to our liking um, and we have a response there that it's being worked on uh, at the moment um, guys I, I want to throw this one out um, uh, to you all really in terms of uh, whether you think there's a sort of value in that capability and uh, where it might come in useful so I can start there so I think, it, yes, it's super nice that you can move stuff around. That would be great. Uh, I, I, I'm surprised that it's actually this high. Uh, but it, it comes with a lot of complexity, in, I would say, moving a, a channel in here. Say, say we, we have tabs connected to a channel. We have all these kind of applications. We have uh, files and folders in SharePoint and pages and whatnot. So it, it's just the same as you would move a folder from, from a SharePoint site to another. There's a lot of dependencies that you need to take care of. So. Uh, or is it just moving the, the conversations? That would make sense. But moving a channel into other teams, I think it could be uh, with a lot of caution and complexities and, and stuff. Yeah, and of course, uh, there's no guarantee that the target team has the same membership as the source team. And so someone who might have been looking at that channel information is now not seeing the channel information and wondering what the heck is going on. Where's my who moved my cheese? So I think that while it uh, has a lot of votes, it seems rather fraught with uh, difficulties, in my opinion. 
It's a bit an odd. It's a bit an odd use case for me. I mean, I think consolidating channels within the same team might make sense, where you you might have a you know a two project streams that later come together, and you might want to bundle the two things up. But it, but it's all sort of. I can't think of a legitimate reason you would want to wholesale pick up all the history and all the content, all the channel settings, and move it fundamentally to another team, unless you were unless you were merging two teams together but it, it it strikes me as missing the point of the flexibility of setting up a new team to surface the new content if you're starting to move channels between teams you, you may be stepping outside the boundaries of what the service design was all about you don't you don't you know if you were skype for business chats you wouldn't copy one skype for business chat and bundle it into another chat you tend to start a new one from that point forward I, I'm I, I, I'm not so sure. I can see the point of this. Certainly, um, looking at, at some of these cases within a customer base, but actually also internally, where um, you know we might be uh, running a, a marketing project with one uh, agency. Uh, there's a, a channel of content there that um, is appropriate, and we do want to continue with another agency. You know, you want to pick up that channel, you want to move it on. Um, but you don't want to let new agency into old agency site. Um, you, you know, so so I think I actually kind of do see the value in being able to do that. Um, but I kind of want to get back to Victor's point, actually, which is uh, around some of the challenges with the broader context of Teams, because it is more than chat and files. What, what does happen if you're making use of planners and tabs uh, and, you know, maybe some of those planners and, and tabs um, content is restricted? You know, it's for a different subset of people to those that are in, in the new team. What then? I, I mean, do we do we know what uh, some of the answers are to this or, or is it a wait and see? Yes, I'm curious to see how they actually, I haven't seen anything, uh, how they plan to implement this, but just assume that you have two very different teams, two very different memberships. What happens if uh, you move one one channel to another team? Do you move all the team members over and give them access to everything else in that one? Since, yeah, we're coming back to that in another use voice kind of thing where you can, with about the, the, the security scope on, on channels, so to say. But I, I think there's a lot of channel challenges to this. And, and depending on how they actually implement this feature, it will be very, very different. And, and the use cases for it will be different. But yes, I, I see there's a beauty if you want to reorder your, your teams or reuse and whatnot. But uh, I think it comes with a lot of uh, um, uh, probably uh, things that could could make it less use or make it useless if it just move the conversation and not keep the rest of it. So you're moving stuff out of the context. And I think that that is the beauty with teams. Everything is so connected, so to say. But if you just take a move that channel into some to some other context. And as Paul said, uh, it, if the application isn't installed there, do you install that application? Uh, the bot, for instance, that might, might post stuff to, to that other team, that, that's, that's going to be weird. Do you know, this is, raises a really interesting uh, point, though. And Paul, uh, I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on this, because I know it's something that, that you and, and Wes work on day to day internally. But, uh, you know, Victor, you've just correctly said the beauty of Teams is that it contextualizes a lot of the content for any given you know project or subject matter, and you can aggregate it from different places. When products go into the world and you have something like user voice uh, available, it is a hard um, path 
to walk, isn't it, between staying true to the purpose of the thing you always wanted it to do and then all of the requests for additional functionality uh, that, that come in. And actually, if we look at the next item, which is ability to see who is in a channel, but this is the reason I want to flag it. The note underneath says ability to see who is currently in a channel because HipChat and Slack have it. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because that's nothing to do with, you know, the essence of Teams being this contextual tool. Uh, that's everything to do with a bunch of people have used it and saying, well, hang on a minute. You know, these other tools have something different. And uh, as I said, Paul, I, I know you and Wes deal with these sorts of things every day uh, at In365. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that. Uh, yeah, and it... it um the, the the purpose of the activity is generally to sell the product. So if you, it, it's hard to say no to these types of things, to, uh, user voice. Right? You get a lot of people who are asking for a specific feature and, and either that'll keep them using your product and renewing the subscription or it'll get them to acquire it. So it's really, it's really hard to say no, but uh, this, this whole channel, this is now the second item we have on a channel and there's even more on the user voice. And this is, Inevitably, what happens is there's a vision for the initial development of the application and you architect a certain way. And now all of a sudden there's these other use cases that either you didn't think were as important or you didn't think of them at all. And it may be fundamentally opposed to the way the system is set up. So um, it, it becomes a, a fine line and you have to take a lot of heat saying we asked for this two years ago. Where is it? When it's like, well, we have to start over and tear down to the, the foundation and rebuild. It's, it can be rather difficult. So. Um, the fact that HipChat and Slack have a feature to me, it seems like, well, so what? But, you know, there's a lot more that Teams brings to the table than HipChat or Slack does. But again, it's very hard to say no to these types of things and when others are already uh, already doing it. Yeah, but I also understand. But yeah, but one thing. So the HipChat and Slack kind of thing, I think that's interesting from our point of view. Yes, if they have it. Then, then so we don't really care about there's an, and when you talk to big enterprises that uh, might have Slack already being used in there. And then the first thing their uh, their team that's going to want to roll out Microsoft Teams, the first thing they get thrown in the face is, oh, we don't have these features that we used to. So it's a hard sell for them to sell it to their organization. So I yeah, understand but, but why Victor, it's a, yeah. But, but Victor, the, uh, I think that, that merits a bit more interrogation because it, in a way, if you ask, well, why are people comparing Slack to mm. uh, Teams? Well, Microsoft's go-to-market messaging around Teams was use this instead of Slack. It's Microsoft's Absolutely. equivalent to Slack. So, so the comparison is all. I'm almost wondering, uh, has this happened because Microsoft have led that conversation, or because there's a, an actual need? Because uh, you know, there's plenty of examples where Slack and Teams are both in use within organisations, but by different pockets of people. So uh, again, even saying, well, maybe Teams does need to have this capability in order to have feature parity with Slack is like, well, that assumes Slack users are moving into Teams uh, when actually, um, you know, they may well uh, be different cohorts of people using the tools for different reasons. Wes, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I think, I think if you threw a different spin on it and you said Teams is the new version of Skype for business, for me, that starts to position the conversation very differently rather than Teams competes against A and other products. Because the, the thing that I I always find quite surprising is, you know, we've got we've got the uh, 
that Uber Uber voted for private channels, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But you know, it's sitting up at just over seventeen thousand user voice votes. Um, but for me, rolling out Teams day in day out, the the frustration I see on normal business users of, about not having multiple windows like they used to in Skype for Business. Um, getting lost down rabbit holes as they click through tabs and channels and conversations, not having an all-up activity feed. Some some of the user usability of the actual application as a as a direct replacement for Skype for business hasn't you know hasn't been prioritized over these Slack compete features or these um, you know high high vote user voice features. And actually when I when I sit with a group of 30 people rolling this stuff out it's those features that they 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 get um, emotional about. You know, it, it, I, I was with some very bright, um, very bright uh, business users last week, and you know, the answer to the question, "Oh, well, can I can I have this?" You know, eight or nine conversations all on the go at the same time, like a camera Skype for business, all in separate windows, so that on my start bar I see them flashing when someone talks to me. And my answer was, "Well, no, it's." it's all got to be in this one app and there was uproar in the room they were like oh my god this is you know this just needs to change and be updated and be like skype for business was so so i think it's i think it, it's interesting you know we're talking about user voice and this is where people have come to sort of ask for features but you know to paul's point if you are the owner of that product's vision you know you you have to stay true to your own vision i think to some degree and actually be fairly forceful about okay our modern teamwork experience is, is bringing Skype for Business, SharePoint, OneDrive, and all that good app juice together into this new paradigm. It's a little bit like Slack, and yeah, we acknowledge there's some overlap, but you know, going for an all-out feature parity, for me, is, is the wrong, wrong engineering focus. It's the wrong feature focus. Yeah, I totally agree. But also, if you look at that, so that's interesting. If you look at these kind of both working on it and you know, what's in that this user voice, those kind of feature requests with, with those hip chats, like what not uh, comparisons, they are very much highly voted. And the, some of the features you just mentioned here for Skype, they are in there, but not that highly voted right now, unfortunately. But yes, I agree. But I do also think that's because lots of organizations are still using Skype uh, and they're just starting their rollout of Teams journey. So perhaps some of those items will uh, filter up the ranks uh, as the market changes and, and starts to roll out Teams more forcefully. Um, okay. But it is quite fun though, because I mean, doing, doing, the, doing the rollouts, you, you do see the repetitive stuff and it is those kind of the pieces. But it's even simple things like every single icon inside Microsoft Teams is way too small. Uh, you need a magnifying glass to see any of the icons. There's 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 no easy discoverability of the pieces, right? And it's it, and it's kind of user voice doesn't represent this basic user experience feedback loop that you would get if you actually go and roll this software out. So so again, you know, with the user voice thing, but the clue's in the like, title, Wes. It is called user voice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, but I mean, you, you've just got to you've just got to imagine you, if you you know if you were a savvy customer. And you'd rolled this out, you know. We've 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 got you know some some public case studies on our team's rollout. If we got one of those customers at sort of ten thousand people to go and fill out the user voice that they tell us in every single meeting, and that was easy for them to do, that would hit number one spot in a week. 
It would be like, make my icons bigger. <laughs> well, I think you've just uh, you've just written your own work schedule for next week. Then <laughs> I, look forward to, I look forward to seeing that. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel like Wes just did a little plug that almost sounded like he should be the one to design what's done because he's done lots of Teams rollouts. <laughs> Joking, Wes. Um, okay, so let's... Uh, <laughs> let's look at item number three uh, and I do think this is one we've all talked about uh, on and off um, I want to use multiple Teams accounts at the same time so being able to log into multiple accounts um, for those of you who have only resided within your own tenant what tends to happen if you're party to multiple tenants is you get a little notification um, point at the top where your corporate name is uh, and it, it's an indication that you've had some notifications in your other uh, tenant memberships and you would click on that go to those other uh, teams um, areas uh, and it's a little bit clunky and a little bit slow so i think this item with 7132 votes uh is um is sort of described as i'd like to um have a multi-team tenant option within microsoft teams oh and then we have it again like in slack <laughs> uh, currently i'm in currently i'm in four different organizations they're all using office 365 three of them uh, have now changed from slack to teams um uh, but i'm always logging in and logging out to switch to the related Microsoft team. This is really time consuming. Um, so, uh, and actually somebody's given a slightly different um, sort of piece on, on the same problem, which is we need the ability to sign in with multiple accounts. Many of us have several Office 365 accounts for the various reasons. So, so they are two slightly different things, which is worth drawing out. One is where we're membership members of multiple teams and we're sort of going between those um, because we, we, you know, um, are, are part of uh, different projects or whatever. Uh, but the other is about, well, me just, uh, you know, in my company, I'm, I might be a part of, part of multiple um, tenants. And we've seen that latter use case in a lot of our big enterprise customers where they have lots and lots and lots of tenants internally. So um, they're slightly different, uh, but I want to throw that to the floor uh, and to get your initial feedback on it. So, so I, I guess it's it's worth positioning what that experience feels like for anyone that's not been fortunate enough to join as guests to someone else's tenant. So when you're in your home tenant, you will see all your activity and your activity bell up in the left-hand side. And that gives you a really good indicator about all the chats, all the teams mentions and all the conversation and files that are happening within your organization. Now, when you start collaborating across a company boundary or a tenancy boundary, you then in the top right, you get a single integer to denote that there's activities that are happening in the tenant that you're a guest of and you require to switch into that tenant. So again, there's a slight paradigm shift with the behavior against Skype for Business. If I was to, for example, ping um, one of my colleagues at a customer on Skype for Business, that will immediately pop up and notify them that I want to talk to them. Within the Teams experience, they get a simple indicator in the top right hand side that says hey in this other tenant there's a notification activity for you and I need to now go and actively switch into it to have that conversation within their tenant so there's a there's a slight difference in that user experience again when somebody's having an IM style conversation but it's also very much like the Yammer and the Yammer external networks 
paradigm where you have to actually actively go into someone else's work experience uh, to consume it. So that's kind of the, the frame if you've not seen this, because I, I appreciate, you know, all of the, the four of us day in, day out, we work with multiple organizations. We are knee deep in this experience. But if you're in a big single org, you've probably never seen this. Yes, exactly. That's, so that's a tenant switch. Then you have the other, as you mentioned, Susie, when you have multiple accounts and you, you actually need to sign out either of your Teams client and sign in again, because what you mentioned is when you're using your same account, but you're a guest in another tenant. Uh, and and th- this other scenario, we have multiple accounts, is probably more to consultants like us, for instance, that working with either have our own tenants, dev tenants, and we have our corporate tenants, and we have a, an account in our client's tenants, etc. That that experience is a little bit dull, it's very easy easily solvable with Chrome profile. So personally, I don't think that is a big thing. The thing that is the tenants, which is with the notifications is what's annoying right now. But to, I have to be the boring one as well and say that it is actually, it is the reason why it is like that. And it has to be like that. So assume you have guests in multiple organizations and some of those organizations have, for instance, multi-factor, with, which you might not have. You might have conditional access, et cetera. And and to go into their tenant and actually seeing that, you, you pr- probably need to prompt something for an extra factor and whatnot, uh, or just checking your so you're on the correct IPs or whatnot in, in your conditional access. So there's a reason they don't have one huge interface with all like grouped teams and channels, etc. Uh, because you don't want to, to log into all your different kind of tenants and, and do 10 multi-factor authentication each time you log, log into Teams, right? But this might this might sound like a stupid question, but uh, you know I'll throw this one to to Wes. What would be the the preferred experience? Because the thing is, as um, inconvenient as it is to switch between different tenants, it's entirely logical because again, Teams is a context. You are context switching. So uh, unless we're saying that actually on the left where you have your list of teams, you would have all your list of teams across any tenant, um, uh, which for me, I'm thinking, oh, God, please, no, you know, we would have we would have we would have hundreds of them. Um, Actually, is it so problematic? I mean, you get your notification, you switch tenant. okay, different context, you go from there. Uh, And and to to your point, Victor, uh, as you say, as professionals in the space, we have um, uh, tenants for testing and for development and for demonstration. You know, I can't see a scenario in which I would want my demo content in my real workspace, you know, so I'm just kind of wonder, wondering um, for, your, for, your, for your thoughts on that, because obviously it's very popular, people want it and kind of think, well, what, how could that be improved in a way that's not going to make it really difficult? Well, I think I, I, I 100% agree with the idea that you need to actively switch between tenant, right? I think... I think we'd all be in violent agreement that is the right experience. As, as as much you know, outcry that might prompt from from the listeners. That there is actually, a, you know, as Victor says, a very sensible security boundary that you're traversing as you go from one tenant to another. And as as a user, you're not commonly sort of going. Well, I'm going to just like hop across these six different customers all all in the next ten minutes to uh, do some stuff because you, you're gonna you're gonna want to know that there's activities happening but you're not necessarily going to want to go and work there so the two things that the two things that feel broken to me about this 
you know, guest and multi experience is the IM side, the chat side. Like, it shouldn't matter where I'm logged in. I should have a unified list of all the conversations that are happening and be able to, you know, see that Paul has replied to me from a different tenant to the one that I'm in. Because in Skype for Business, that's the experience I'm used to. I get a chat, I'm connected to him, we're in different tenants, we talk. And alongside that, it would be good if we got some insight from the notification system to sort of tell us, are these notifications that I really need to go and see because I've been mentioned or are these notifications just because I'm following channels or, or what, whatever? It's like it, it's it's missing the, the IM chat experience being unified and it's missing for me the activity stream being an all-up activity stream because the average user probably isn't going to be as aware of the security requirements going from A to B, but they are going to be they are going to need to understand that actually if I want to go and work in the Microsoft tenant, I'm actively going to go and work in the Microsoft tenant and therefore I need to behave maybe differently or I, or I have different access permissions or I need to be careful with the content that I'm moving. The, these aren't, for me, these aren't new problems. We had this with Yammer and external networks. You know, you had to understand, well, I'm in my I'm in my consultancy home Yammer network. I can be as flippant as I like, or I'm going into the customer Yammer network. I need to be really, really professional because I portray my organization at that point. But you know, the the IM piece for me in Teams is is the is the broken broken experience because I, I want to have a proper IM system that I don't have to switch tenants for every time I have a conversation with someone else. I, I have to agree on the IM thing. It's um, instinctively, uh, you know, at least once a day, I kind of open that scope and go, oh, no, hang on, I need to go into Teams. And I say, okay, I need to be in the right tenant. Uh, and it has actually created several steps between what used to be a very straightforward thing to do uh, and made it more complicated. But what about the, the latter use case on this one, which is about um, perhaps someone that's in, in an in, in a single organization, but with multiple accounts across different corporate tenants. So this is a scenario that we often see in M&A contexts uh, and in big enterprise contexts where it's not uh, sort of sensible necessarily to have everybody in in one tenant because of volume. Um, I, I know that with some organizations um, at In365 have worked with, uh, this has been a real problem because there might be a project being run for a customer in one tenant with people from eight different tenants logging in and needing to work on that while simultaneously working on other projects on other tenants. And it feels like they spend all day switching tenants. And this, although not for me personally, is something that, that we see uh, as a big challenge uh, across, um, across those types of customers. And I, I would add, we, we talked a lot about how this one request about using multiple Teams accounts in, into the whole context switching and so on. The, the, those are all valid points about access control and, and the context I'm working. But the core request is that I don't, if I'm going to view something in a different tenant, why do I have to log in yet again to do that? E even if it's the same account, right? So uh, the, yes, I understand if I'm if I'm logging in with my Add in three six five account, that's one thing. But I'm going to log in with my uh, MVP account. That that's a different account. I get that experience, but when I want to view content in the Microsoft tenant, 
while I'm lo- using my add-in 365 account, why do I have to log in yet again? So I think that's kind of the, the, the crux of what they're trying to accomplish here is, hey, I, I've logged in. You know who I am. If there's a, a, an MFA prompt, fine, give me the MFA prompt, but don't make me go through the whole experience. And then on top of that, the Windows client for Teams goes blank and it re-rolls itself and it repaints and I got to do the whole login experience again and it's time consuming. So I think that's that, that's the, the crux of it. It, it. And the notification numbers are always wrong for me. So it'll say I've got one message and I switch over and there's 14 of them or I actually have the bell stuck on. And I was in a chat yesterday and someone at mentioned me as I was leaving and now I can't clear that notification. So I, I will forever have the wrong number. Which I guess is apropos if you know me, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you, you, you nailed it there, Paul. I think that the primary thing they should focus on is the performance or the speed when you're actually switching. And and once again, comparing to Slack, they have this kind of concept as well. You switch between the different kind of groups or teams, whatever they'd call in Slack or organizations. You do a switch, but that's super fast, right? In Microsoft Teams, it takes. Yeah, but I don't think Slack is enforcing conditional access no. policies and content, you know, moderation and all the other stuff. So I, I, I get the reason why they're doing it, and I don't yeah. begrudge them on that. But let's yeah. make it a little bit faster. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, move on to have a look at the top two items. So the second most requested uh, item with eight thousand four hundred nine votes um, is our ability to include Office three six five group calendars into Teams. So it would be good to be able to click on a calendar button on the left-hand side, very descriptive, to get a view of the Office 365 Groups calendar as you would in the calendar app. Good for being able to look and get a glimpse of what's coming up with the group. At the moment, I have to go back into the calendar to look at it. And that's something that um, uh, they're aiming for a springtime release on um, as per per the note uh, underneath. Um, I just want to kick this one off to say I think there's still a lot of complexity between these sort of uh, SharePoint groups, SharePoint team sites, teams, interface. And we try to keep it really, really simple when we talk to organizations about teams because even all all that stuff is uh, alive underneath it. We don't really talk to it, but that's quite different if somebody's coming from a SharePoint group and then they overlay the Teams capability. Uh, the, the UX is not exactly streamlined yet. And I know from different groups, uh, discussions with the product group, uh, that's something that they're looking to resolve so that, you know, there is one consistent, um, you know, files UI, one consistent calendar UI. But it does feel like this is kind of going on a bit and it is painful when we roll out and we encounter this or, or we're talking to a team that are used to one UI and then you're talking to them about another. So uh, where are we so at with this things, one? Three things, then I'll shut up on this one. The first one, I think this feature is a, it's a no-brainer. It should be there, right? Because it's belonged to the, the group, etc. So just make it happen. Secondly, if they don't build it, building with SharePoint Framework, there's a, so I'm guessing that's a PMP calendar web part you can use. So it's working. Number three, Personally, I don't like the Office 365 uh, group calendar. Uh, it never works for me when sending out the invites to, and people don't get notified. It's horrible to change and update, so I don't use it. <laughs> so on my other podcast, we talked a little bit about this. The uh, There is a, a, a third-party or an open-source solution to this where you can create a tab that shows your calendar. So it, it, the problem has been solved. But to, to Victor's point, the underlying calendar capabilities is where the problem is. And I think that really should be fixed as well. So I'm, 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 his first two points are all great, but the third one nails it on the head for me that those group calendars are just painful. I don't want to turn this into a, you know, general kind of moaning session, but um, 
speaking on we do on, this day in day out remember we do it day in day out we roll this stuff out to real business users and this is the things they struggle with but, but on that sort of calendar to UI I think something else that I know I find frustrating but it but equally um some of our customers have as well is that if you're sort of evangelizing um teams meetings um you still can't uh to my knowledge, uh, add an item in uh, your sort of Outlook calendar and set that up as a Teams meeting. Uh, you can only you only have the option of creating it as a no, Skype meeting. There is a setting inside Microsoft Teams. If you click on your your uh, your face on the upper right and go into the settings, you can tell the Office suite in Windows that you'd like Skype to be the default calendaring solution or something. I can't remember the exact wording. So it is something you have to actually go into Teams and into the settings for Teams. And then you can register the Teams chat as the, the chat app for Office. And then it will work in you know, um, Outlook to say create a, a there's be a, a Teams icon in the ribbon that you can then create a team meeting. But again, that's something a user has to know and has to go and do. So I, part of the solution there is, I guess, getting a group policy that a, an a, a IT department could push out to make that change if it was relevant. But, yeah, that's just one of the things that are struggle. And then if, if, if I'm in Teams and I click on the calendar icon, I, I find it difficult sometimes to be able to create a new item that's just for me. So if I want to create just a calendar item, something on my calendar, it's hard to do. And and clicking around, uh, give me a month view. You know, there's a, a the basic calendaring stuff I can't do in Teams. So I have to go to Outlook to do that. I think that's kind of where the the stress comes in is that back and forth. But but, but isn't this isn't this the problem with a lot of the uh, 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 the bigger picture is. Microsoft are moving towards sort of one consistent experience across lots of services. That is a fantastic thing. But during this period of transition, it does feel a little bit like we're taking, you know, something that works really well. And then in the new UI, it's taken several steps backwards. So we've talked about some of the calendar um, items uh, there, but, um, you know, it's almost across the board that, you know, the files um, interface in in Teams is not as fully fledged as the SharePoint um, file area in, it, it, sorry, the file area when, when you view that in SharePoint. So, it, it, and equally, this, you know, the Skype um, uh, points you made earlier was around being able to just chat in Skype IM, whereas you can't uh, necessarily do that. There's lots of these things where you think, God, Microsoft, you have actually nailed this. Yet when we're we're trying to do these things in teams today, it's almost like a, a totally different team have set about figuring this stuff out from a blank sheet of paper. And it would just be good to see, um, you, you know, building on the, the, the experiences that work rather than almost starting from scratch and then having to reestablish those good practices. Well, I, I mean, let me inter- interrupt. This isn't unique to the Teams team. I, I mean, Outlook, Microsoft bought a company to do the Outlook mobile application and it specifically on Android that I use, you on the phone where contacts are the most important thing ever on a phone, the Outlook app wouldn't let you create a contact on your phone. I, I mean, the, 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 again, that's core functionality that wasn't there. And so this isn't just a Microsoft Teams specific thing, Susie, but your point of we're moving to this new world and the transition's very painful. And yes, it's very painful a lot. So um, don't want to be picking on the Teams team. It's not just them. <laughs> We, we have we have the Swiss Army knife of tabs for any team though. So we mentioned you know group calendars not being visible. 
go and grab the group mailbox and group calendar OWA Outlook Online web URL and put it in a website tab. You have your inbox in Teams. I have my day-to-day inbox in a tab in a team that only I'm a member of. So I can actually be just in Teams. And, you know, occasionally it moans about, you know, loading, you get the little message, you do want to load this outside in a different tab. But you can be sneaky about some of these things. You know, if you if you prefer the Microsoft SharePoint files tab uh, yeah, experience go and add the document library as a tab um, and you know you've got that problem of well there's a files tab now and there's a document library tab but the point is if you've got a heavily customized you know you've done some of that beautiful renditions on the list items or the tab on documents you can go a halfway house you can use some of these other sort of tab types to get those experiences in that's not ideal but it is a it is a halfway step to, to getting you something that you as a, as a team can can still work with I guess you know the sheer volume of change that the the application is trying to affect there's always going to be rough edges but uh, but but for me you know you can be creative in the way you find this Okay, right. So item number one with 17,175 votes is support for private channels within a team. So the ability to create a channel that only some channel members uh, are able to see. Um, And again, we have the note, it's available in Slack. Um, But uh, actually, to be fair, that this does come up uh, all the time. So very, very popular. Um, uh, I understand that this is something that will be available soon. So thoughts on this one? I have to say I am a big fan uh, of this um, simply because uh, I'm often working in the project context where there is need to have a more sensitive discussion on the side, but from a very selfish point of view where I live and breathe teams day to day. Um, I, I don't want to have to go into Outlook or create a separate team to have that conversation. I do want to keep that in context for me, um, but uh, but without, um, you know, uh, needing to move out, move, move away from that context. I know you guys all disagree with me. Go. No, I don't disagree. I can see some value in having a, a, a private chat. So in a, in, in a sense, what it could be is a group chat of, of people who happen to be in the same team. But then again, that's a different tab. So I got to click the tab, the chat icon and do this group chat. But what else in the channel is private? I mean, at some point, I mean, is it just files? Because files, you know, are, can be permissioned the way that they always are. So I, I think there's a lot. And I bet if you ask every person who all 17,000 people who voted, although I'm Chicago and so we, we, there might only be six people voting, but the I would imagine you're going to get a different answer from everybody of how to solve this problem. And I guarantee you they're going to deliver something and half the people are not going to be saying that's not what I wanted. So I think this is kind of a. a a, a, a very ambiguous request that is never going to be happy for but everybody. But which bit do you think is ambiguous? I, I'm I'm not following. For me, this is really, what really is simple. A private, <laughs> oh well, so I would say it's simple just to create a new team. Well, if that, you have a if you have a separate group of people doing a separate thing, or even if it's tangentially related, how is what's the difference between a subsite and a new site collection, or a sub team, or a, a, a new team, or a channel that's private? It, it, at the end of the day, it's just a hierarchy, and you want it to be four levels deep instead of having it three levels deep and two that are sort no, of related. Your question of, so, do they do a hub site or a hub team? Yeah. I mean, I could. There's a million ways to solve this but problem. Your, but right? your question so, of you know why not create a separate team? I think. 
think, um, you know, if, if you are, uh, f for example, the person that's involved in uh, from a finance function across multiple teams where your job is to coordinate with one person in the project on how much have we spent, what, what are the day rates, what's the billing, uh, you know, it makes sense for the business and for you as a team centric user to have those conversations within the contexts of those projects. Um, but to, you know, only have it as a channel because, you know, you are interfacing with as the finance person with one person in multiple teams for that to be in context without sort of, you know, either having a dedicated team for you and that other person, you know, you would have literally hundreds of those. Um, so, so I can, I can really see, see the point of having that um, rather than a sort of entirely separate team because it's, you know, going back to where we started the podcast where we're talking about, you know, teams is a context. For teams to be a context for everybody, it has to account for those whose role is within a project, um, but also those whose role cuts across multiple projects. And for me, private channels is about that latter use case uh, as a function in an organization um, rather Rather than uh, rather than the former, you're not wrong, but you were just replicating the unique permissions problem that SharePoint went through the ten years ago. So that's just be aware, right? That's really what's happening. It's the same thing over and over again. So, well, I think it's I think it's it's from from my first hand experience. It's symptomatic of organisations that have been heavily reliant on file servers. Um, where there'll be a project folder and that has a subfolder, which is the finance document, another subfolder, which is the legal agreements and the statements of work, and they're individually permissioned out. And we come along and we say, hey, this team's paradigm is this amazing new way of working, and they buy into that and then suddenly realize, ah, yeah, but we need to have the three finance people work together on that document and nobody else, you know, the consultants in the team or the designers in the team, they shouldn't see that stuff. You know, their day rate shouldn't be known to them. So I, I can absolutely understand where this idea of a private locked room, I mean, I always go in and describe a team as a house with a front door key. As soon as you give a membership, you, you have access to every room in that house without restriction and what we're basically saying is well we're going to put locks on on the study and we're going to put locks on the bathrooms and there's going to be a couple of areas that occasionally you know you can't get into that makes sense i think i think whereas technologists we get hung up on is that breaks a lot of paradigms that the team's thing sits on. You know, the group is a security yeah, exactly, boundary yeah. with group membership. <laughs> right? and, it, and it cascades, in our minds, we suddenly fall into this horrible trap of, oh, well, you know, every user's going to care that we've suddenly got a pages library that the pages are not necessarily, you know, how do you have a private page? Well, in reality, how many pages in a team site get created from teams? In my experience, almost none. You know, there's an, there's an active there's an active setup where some site owner goes in and sets the, the site pages up, pins them into certain tabs. But once that's done, it's done, and it's rare that you need those locked away. So really, what we're talking about, from my experience day to day, is I've got some files, and I want to have a limited subset of people within this team talk about those files. And actually, from my understanding of the proposed solution to the private channels conundrum, is that's basically where the focus has gone. But like I say, we get hung up on the fact that, yes, it breaks a lot of what were, were drilled into us for the last three years as hard and fast principles. Site collection, boundary, owners, members, visitors, boundaries, 
you know, document library, no broken permissions, no no mayhem of matrices that we need to sit down and do four weeks of consulting on. It was simple. Well, and people people want to be able to see who has permission to what. And if you have these little pockets of, of permissions buried in individual items in a folder of a document library of a subsite of a site collection. No one's ever going to find that. So uh, the, yes, I get the, I get the need. I think it's just a, a mad case of we're going to, well, I've already said it. We're, we're going to get right back where we, where we were before and then we'll, we'll get paid to solve the problem again. So <laughs> I guess in that regard, it's a good thing. I disagree with you guys. I agree with Susie there. So <laughs> I understand. Oh, well, let me I just understand say, the, the users pro- are right. Yeah, I totally yeah. get it. <laughs> I understand the problem you're trying to explain here. And, and we know that. And we know that even from Fileshare, et cetera. But it's the way teams are built today with the teams and the channels. And as Susie said, if you're a member of 20 projects or something, uh, that means you're going to be a member or a project manager for 20 projects. You want to have 40 or even 60 project, uh, teams done. You might have one with your project manager with all the financial stuff that might be super secret in some organizations. And you might have one where you have your external consultants and then you might have one with your, your clients. So that adds up to 80 different teams. So where are you? How, how do you move back and forth between them? So if, if, if you... If you don't create like the, the some kind of some kind of private channels, I don't care how they implement it, but then you need to create some kind of grouping of teams, and that introduces the same kind of problem. But all, because you need you need to govern this kind of stuff, so when you need to archive the team with all your product results, you need to get everything from there, and and keeping a private channel would make that that kind of solution much easier. Just a, yeah. So so I'm sorry. Again, it's either either create a private channel or create a hub team, right? So it's, we're back to the same type of of mm. of concept. Yeah. Right? But so Paul, I'm not, and I'm not saying you guys are wrong. It's just that solving it's not going to please everybody. No, no, I, I, I hear that. I, I think the the interesting thing that comes to mind listening to you sort of describe some of the technical problems with private channels uh, and then sort of reflecting about how we're recreating the challenges that we found with SharePoint historically, what immediately comes to my mind is maybe we need to rethink permissions and um, access and that kind of thing altogether ground up, right? Because in a, in a way, Teams has inherited a lot of the conceptual frameworks and, and practices that have existed in the Microsoft ecosystem uh, and service system for a long, 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 long time, long time. Uh, and actually, it's almost become a given that we have to continue to build on it when sometimes a, a ground up radical rethink uh, can be really helpful. Not suggesting any of us do that, of course. Um, but I see that, uh, that the point being made about the additional technical complexity um, and, and just just challenging that that maybe we need to or Microsoft need to actually revisit that as a problem space rather than just um, compounding the problem. Wes, well, we'll, th- well, think about you know. I actually, I actually think we're all in violent agreement that private channels as a concept is something that's needed. I, I think there's this you know different viewpoints of how hard or easy that should be, but the the thing that strikes me is is if you boil it back down to the business user you know i'll I'll take a i'll take an example of um country leader you know ceo of a particular market 
today has read access to the entirety of an S drive and can see any piece of content they wish to go and view of that on that S drive. So they feel they have visibility of anything and anything they ever want to see. But what they actually do is they dive into one specific folder called monthly update and they go and look at that just before their monthly update with the leadership team. And that's where everyone bundles their board pack together. Right. So there's a behavior thing where it's like we all put that stuff in one place, but they have access to everything. Teams uncovered the I have access to everything for those particular types of roles. Finance teams are another good example. Legal teams are another good example where they they have pockets of influence across many project work streams and many places. So maybe the paradigm shift that needs to be thought about is if I'm in a role that sort of says I've got these private pockets everywhere, can I bundle them in a view that I only see, which is my private pockets as one thing? You know, if I've got 25 customer projects and I only care about the billing Excel spreadsheet in those 25 um, private channels, can I go and cherry pick and say, well, I want to create Wes's virtual team called, you know, project finances and I want to grab this channel, this channel, this channel, this channel, this channel, and actually just see them in an experience. I haven't changed the structure. You know, when when I go into the full team, I, I, I would see that private channel and I would have the normal experience that everyone that works in that team has. But for me, I've built up a, a, a contextualized piece. I mean, you talked about reimagining permissions. I don't necessarily think the permissions are the problem. It's the our experience of said permissions. It's somebody is dictating what me, makes sense to us as somebody who spans multiple teams. And I, I, don't think, I don't think today the user experience supports that very well, but I, I, can't, I can't see it being a huge leap for it to be able to. And on that note, we conclude our uh, podcast uh, reviewing the um, top five user voice items. Do um, take the time to go uh, and contribute uh, your feedback there, whether you're a business person, a developer, consultant, uh, customer side, agency side, um, because the feedback really does count and is listened to. Um, thank you uh, to my panel again for taking the time to, to share your thoughts. We and, uh, we look forward to our next session. The New Habits Podcast is produced by Add-in365. Thank you to Victor Villain for participating. Please leave a review in iTunes along with a five-star rating. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening.